Now, many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people at the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is, the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now, when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison, so they returned and reported, we found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, We found no one inside. Now, when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And someone came and told them, Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Mm. Thank you, Claire. Oh, this is going to be fun this morning. Uh, It's a good, good passage. Um, so here we see Peter and John, they're in the temple porch, this kind of area of the, um, the temple where the people would come and they'd gather. And, and we like to imagine that just as Jesus did, the disciples, the apostles, they taught and demonstrated what they were teaching. And so how do we apply what is going on in Acts 12 through 25 into our own world here today in East Fife in the 21st century? How do we partner with God to see his kingdom come in East Fife, as it is in heaven. So I hope this morning that after delving into this passage, uh, that we get a clear sense of what we carry um, as believers. So this morning, we're first going to look at how God loves to use us um, and what that might look like and how we can do that. Secondly, we're going to look at what we carry and how we can release that into the world around us. And thirdly, we're going to look at opposition and how we can translate what is going on Um, in Acts 5, into our own lives. And so before we explore this passage, I want to um, ask this question. I want to keep it in the back of our minds as we go through the next um, 15 minutes or so. So are we aware of what we carry and what we release as we walk in the culture that we live in? Are we aware of what we carry and what we release as we walk in the culture that we live in? You guys up for it? I'll take us a maybe. <laughs> if, you, if you were at DRA Ball last night, you were shooting here. Um, good luck. Uh, so let's begin. So first point is just God loves to use us. Verse 12 says that now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's 
particular. No, it came up on the screen. It's great. And so first of all, you may be wondering this morning, why does it say apostles? Why not disciples? And so, well, the Greek for apostle is apostle. I study Greek. That's really bad. <laughs> um, and it means sent ones. So therefore, the disciples, which is mathetes in the Greek. I got that one right. Mathetes can be translated as student, disciple, um, or apprentice. So the students now become the sent ones. I wonder if God wants to send us to. And so secondly, this verse here displays actually that the prayer of the believers that was going on in Acts 4 is actually being answered here in verse 12 of Acts 5. In Acts 4.30, they cry out to God. They say, stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through your holy servant, Jesus. As we've seen in Acts 5, God stretches out his hand through the hands of the believers to bring about healing and signs and wonders. The kingdom of God is demonstrated through the hands of the believers. So pray to be used, and you will be used. God will answer that prayer. By the way, I do say prayer and not prayer. I do apologize. Uh, (laughs) He loves to use the hands of his people to bring about his plans on earth. Just as he uses the hands of the sent ones, what would it look like if we prayed to be sent? And I think it's also important to add to this. And bearing in mind, this next little section um, has actually kind of comes from my uncle. He's back home. Uh, so I can't take all the credit. But um, as well as praying for God to use us, we need to add posture uh, to that prayer. We pray in faith, like the apostles do in Acts 4. Lord, stretch out your hand. But what we actually see in Acts 5 is they're adding posture to that prayer. They're stepping into that prayer by praying for people. And what happens is that... God moves and those prayers are answered. So, for example, you may be praying, God, use me as an encouragement to others, to those around me. And I encourage you, keep praying those prayers day and night. But what what we actually need to do as well is we need to add posture to that prayer. So we press into being an encourager, sending messages to people, just encouraging them, reminding them of who they are. Or perhaps it's even just refusing and training yourself not to speak negatively over people. Or perhaps uh, you have been pressing in and praying, God, use me to bring about your healing power. Just like the disciples, the apostles did. And so that's great, and we need to pray those prayers, but we also need to add posture to that prayer so that as we walk, and as we uh, see people who are in need of healing, that we press in in those moments, and we take that risk, and we pray for healing. Or if someone comes up to the front this morning, perhaps maybe limping, you're the first person up there to pray. (laughs) Yeah, I really hope that that doesn't happen. I hope it does happen so we can pray. (laughs) It's just like like 10 people just swarming. Um, Mm. And so in my own life, I, I've been praying, God, use me. I want to hear from you more, not just for my own life, but I want to hear from you. Um, what are you saying to other people? 
And so that's been great. And for years, I've always prayed that. You know, God, use me. What are you saying to other people? But actually, I've actually had to add posture to that prayer so that as I um, wake up in the morning and I have my morning coffee, I am a coffee snob, yes, um, that I sit down and I flick through my Facebook Messenger and say, okay, God, what are you saying to some of these people on Facebook? And then I'll send a message. Um, and sometimes it's bang on and sometimes it's not, but I'm learning in that and I'm adding posture to the prayer that I've prayed. And so I wonder what it would look like today if we dared not only to pray, God use me, but if we added posture to that prayer and we stepped out. God, where do you want to send me today? And then we go. And then as we go on in verse 14, it says that more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. And then in verse 16, it says, the people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, and they were all healed. I just want to say this morning, this stuff is attractive. People are attracted to this. It's good stuff. You know, it's good stuff. People are getting healed. People are coming from around Jerusalem, not people even in Jerusalem. The word is getting out, and people are being attracted to it. So I guess my challenge for us today is let's keep pressing into this stuff. In ministry time a bit later, I just encourage you to come forward. If you have any physical pain in your body, just come forward, receive prayer. Let's keep pressing into this stuff because it's attractive, and people will come. You know, these signs will lead people to wonder about who God is. And so my second point today is, are we aware of what we carry? Verse 15 says that so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. What a cool verse, eh? I think it's cool. Uh, so what is going on among the people is so attractive that they are eager to uh, experience the presence of God desperately. The people are dragging out the sick on mats and on cots into the crowded streets of Jerusalem, extremely crowded, crowded streets of Jerusalem. If you imagine you're leaving a sports game or um, a concert, you know, that like incredible congestion. Uh, like that's, that's what's kind of going on here in the streets um, of Jerusalem. And it was packed. And yet people are like almost reaching out to grab Peter's shadow. In the culture at the time, shadows had this uh, almost like a negative connotation. They weren't seen as good things, yet people are attracted to Peter's shadow, that they're almost desperately like craving it and reaching out and wanting to touch it. But why? And it is because of the presence of God upon Peter as he walks the streets of Jerusalem. And the Greek word, the fall on um, in this verse is episkiazo, which means to overshadow. And it's used only five times in the New Testament. Each time it refers to the presence of God. John Wimber, founder of the Vineyard Movement, um, had a phrase. To be honest, <laughs> he had many phrases. <laughs> They're all really good. Um, but this one phrase he had, which is presence is the power. His presence is the power. And so, um, yeah, his presence was so strong in worship 
It was great. And I'm actually going to take a little bit of a risk here. Um, um, and you don't have to respond if you don't want to. But sometimes as we worship and his presence is just so strong, um, that God kind of, um, the power, his power is also present with us. Um, and t- so did anyone uh, come in with a migraine or a headache and it went during worship? You just throw up your hand. It's okay if not. I'm allowed to get it wrong. I'm still his favorite. Uh, uh, (laughs) No? That's cool. That's fine. No problem. That's great. And so it is his presence that changes lives. It was his presence upon Peter which attracted the people. It wasn't his good looks. It wasn't the aftershave. (laughs) I doubt he had aftershave. Uh, This isn't just a special deal between God and Peter. This is for us all. But my question is, you know, do we walk like Peter? Some of you in this room need reminded today of what you carry. Even made aware of what you carry as someone um, who's in a relationship with Jesus. Peter is the living example of someone who releases what he carries in the world around him. It transforms the culture around him too. People crave his shadow because his shadow brings life. So if you're a student here today, if you're a parent here today, a husband, a wife, a son, a teacher, a business owner, a work colleague, Let's begin to identify the cultures and the environments in our own lives that we can release what we carry into. Let's identify the areas in our life, the environments and the cultures that we can release our shadow into. It can be easy as maybe perhaps walking into the library if you're a student here. Libraries are very stressful places. And just saying, Lord, your presence come. Would I release what I carry, the peace of God on my life? Not only what is in my life, but also upon my life. Or maybe um, tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. as you step into your workplace or even your classroom, just maybe just pray a prayer of God. Would I release what I carry today? And I wonder what it would look like if we began to do this, if we began to walk a bit more like Peter. How much would East Five change? The atmosphere in Cooper and in St. Andrews and Anstruther and Pitt and Weem, what would it look like? In education, in business, in healthcare, in academia. I wonder what it would look like. And so my third point is that opposition is happening again. Verse 17 states that, But then the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is, the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. Jeremy, a few weeks ago, discussed uh, opposition. Um, and I would recommend you go and listen to that podcast. He just has his ever-abounding wisdom um, on the subject of opposition, I would encourage you to go and check out that podcast if you um, didn't listen to it. 
I'd encourage you just to nab Jeremy any chance you get. He is a very wise person, <laughs> a very wise person, <laughs> and he's hiding at the back. Um, <laughs> so um, I just want to let you in with the, the world's worst kept secret at the moment. Uh, God is on the move in these five. He is on the move. But my question today is, are we willing to bear the cost of that? He loves to partner with his church and with his people, like we've just read it. But are we willing to bear the cost? As I was saying earlier, all this stuff is good stuff. It's attractive stuff. It's good stuff, yeah. Some people are like, Hector's like, yeah. Other people are like, no. (laughs) But some people won't like it. In the same way that uh, the high priests were threatened, they felt that their power was threatened and their authority was threatened. This stuff is going to threaten people. Some people aren't going to like it. And opposition will come. N.T. Wright describes, um, if we go back to verse uh, 13, I know we kind of skipped over it, um, but it says that no one dared to join them, but the people held them in high esteem. This sort of sense of, N.T. Wright describes it as an in-your-face to the authorities, that the, the apostles are preaching and they're demonstrating right on the doorstep. They aren't afraid of the opposition that they know is currently there and what will come. And so, do we opt in to what God is doing, even though we know that what we're doing can bring conflict to those who don't like the king and his kingdom? Do we opt in? Verse 19 to 21 talks about an angel, the Lord, that breaks the apostles out of prison. Um, however, it goes on to state in verse 21, I believe it is, is that the angel commands them to go back to the temple. Go and stand in the temple and teach the people the words of this life. That was kind of my paraphrase. N.T. Wright has this great quote in his commentary in Acts. He says, but one of the things we find in Acts is that there are no locked doors in the kingdom of God. God releases those who are imprisoned. And here we see the reversing of the apostles' adversity, the reversing of adversity. And some of us need reminded today that God's purposes carry on even with failure and with opposition. God's plans for your life, God's plans for your family's life, God's plans for your friend groups, God's plans for East Fife will carry on even with failure and even with opposition. The apostles are released from prison and they're sent back to the danger zone. They are released and commissioned. Their adversity is reversed. And so as we come in to land this morning, I just want to reiterate again, the Lord is on the move and he's five. Is that scene in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Not the BBC version, but the uh, Disney one, the PPC one is awesome. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Beaver, they're in his home, and Mr. Beaver says, Aslan is on the move. And he whispers it. <laughs> I cry every time. 
And it's true. Aslan is on the move. The Lord is on the move. But are we willing to partner with him? Are we willing not only to pray, Lord, your kingdom come, but are we willing to actually step out in faith and act it? And as well, are we willing to bear the cost? Are we willing to opt in even with the risk of opposition and conflict? And I want to leave you with this today. You know, are we aware of what we carry and what we release in the culture around us? And as well today, some of you need to know that opposition in your life is seasonal, but his plans are eternal. And so I just want to invite um, Jesse to come up. Um, so why don't you stand this morning? Um, we're just going to pray and just enter into a time of ministry. Um, and so this morning, I think for some of us here, I I'm I'm, do apologize, I kind of went on a wee bit. Um, I feel like for some of us here this morning, you need to know that opposition in your life is seasonal. You need to know that his plans for you, his favor on your life is eternal. And some of you here today, actually the Lord is almost um, kind of challenging you ever so gracefully that we have to add posture to our prayers. I would encourage you this morning um, as we enter into a time of ministry that just almost as an act of faith that stepping out of your row and stepping out to the front would almost be the beginning of that process of adding posture to your prayer. Of saying, God, use me. Use me to partner with you to bring your kingdom in East Fife as it is in heaven. So yeah, we just pray, come Holy Spirit. Father, your presence is so strong in this room and we just ask for more. Fill us again. God, would we encounter you even now so that we can be an encounter in our workplace at 9 a.m. tomorrow morning and in the library and lecture room and in our classrooms.